Welcome to Speaker Marketing Success, a podcast dedicated to giving professional speakers, trainers, and coaches the most epic marketing ideas. I'm your host, Amanda Stevens. I'm a professional speaker and a passionate marketer committed to cracking the code on the best strategies for building a speaker brand, getting more inquiries, and getting on more stages. Well, hi there, everyone, and thank you so much for joining us today. This is exciting. It's the inaugural episode of the Speaker Marketing Success Podcast, and I feel we're going to be peaking a little early in this series because today we're very lucky to have none other than the, he's referred to as the godfather of speaking, Mr. Keith (laughs) Abraham. Keith, thanks so much for joining us today. Uh, Thanks, Amanda, for the opportunity. It's great to be here and great to share and and even more special being the first one. I suppose, you know, you you start with somebody like me and just keep on building upon it, really. Not not the case, not the case. It's going to be a hard act for everyone to follow. But um, I wanted to get you on today because uh, you are no doubt not only a leader in the speaking industry, a giant of the speaking industry, but you also have uh, very much over the years consistently set the pace and set the standard for speaker marketing. And I I wanted to sort of drill down on some of that with you today. And I know you're very generous with your learnings to really understand, uh, you know, what have been some of the big breakthroughs from a marketing perspective um, and also how you've built your speaking business, uh, what's worked, perhaps what you would um, do differently. But for those who don't know you, if you've been living under a rock um, and you don't know much about Keith Abraham, um, give us a little bit of a snapshot in, in 60 seconds about your speaking speaking career. Yeah, uh, thanks, Amanda. Um, Started 26 years ago um, with zero clients, unlisted phone number. Um, I've spoken to 1.6 million people in 39 different countries, uh, written five best-selling books, published in 12 different languages. I think the one thing that, uh, you know, apart from winning keynote speaker of the year like yourself, uh, educator of the year, CSP, Nevin Award winner, all that sort of stuff, which is all wonderful. The thing that I'm most proud of is um, you know, 94% of my clients have used me a second time. Um, 68% of my clients have used me more than six times and 35% of my clients have used me every year, every single year for more than 10 years plus. And so, you know, I think, you know, the one thing I often say to people, Amanda, I reckon the measure of any great speaker um, and every and any great speaking business, and there are two different things, is does, do, does your client ask you to come back, return, and recommend? Uh, if, if my clients ask me to come back, I have sustainability. If they refer me and recommend me to, uh, to their friends, colleagues, and other organizations, uh, I have profitability and sustainability. So uh, I think, you know, that, that's, that's it in, in 60 seconds. Uh, it's been a wonderful journey. I've spoken, you know, a hundred times on average, a hundred times a year for the last 26 years. And, and I've been booked anywhere from six to 12 months in advance during the course of my career. Obviously early on the piece of was you know, week to week, but you get through that and you build a business. Mm. And that's amazing. And as you say, you really did, um, you really did come from a standing start in many respects and then built it up consistently. You're obviously pretty good at it, Keith. Like you might be able to make a living out of this one day. Yeah. Look, uh, can you actually get paid for it? <laughs> hey, how long has that been going on for? Has that, has that been all the time? Don't tell anyone. Don't tell anyone. <laughs> wow. 
Wow. Well, I would have well, to say I few, something every day. I would have to say there'd be very few uh, speakers in Australia that have generated uh, the speaking fees in totality um, that you have. And as you say, you did come from pretty much a, a standing start. And I want to talk yeah. um, initially about in the early days, what did you do to market yourself? Like what worked yeah. to, to, to really kick off that trajectory for you? And, and you know, it's, it's what worked 26 years ago. I mean, it's, what work, it's what's working still today. It's referrals. You know, like people, everybody wants to be referred. But, but if you go and serve our 100 speakers and you say, um, you know, would you like more referrals for the work that you do? A hundred percent of them. Oh, let's not say a hundred percent. There'd be some numb nut who would get confused, uh, with the question. Um, would say yes. If you then go and ask those same hundred speakers, do you have a specific strategy system in place to gain rivers of referrals? I'm going to say that 99% of them are going to say no. Mm. Um, they will get referrals by chance, but not by choice. And so that's what works for me. Uh, I just, I, you know, I trained life insurance agents before I started being a professional speaker and everything was around gaining referrals, you know, gaining going referral. It's the easiest one. If, if it's not that, it's a cold call. And so I didn't want to do cold calling. So I went, okay, I'm just going to ask referrals. And, and you go, well, how do you do that when you haven't spoken yet? Well, you go to people, you know, you speak for free and you go to, and you go to colleagues that you know from your past lives and, and workshops and things like that. And you say to them, tell me, uh, to, who do you know? Who do you know that often employs speakers? educators, you know, who do you know that runs a conference and, and, you know, who do you know could benefit from my service? I mean, that's the question. The question is I don't want a referral, Amanda. I want to know who could benefit from my services. And then we'll work out how to get a referral from there. Mm -hmm. So that's the, you know, that's, that's, that's what's worked for me. Um, we're obviously doing video as well with this, uh, Amanda. So, uh, let, let me, um, can I share with you what I've broken it down to? Yeah, please. You know, um, one, one of the things that I've been fortunate enough is that, that I'm working more and more with speakers. I'm helping, you know, the, the one thing is I'm working more and more speakers to do three things. Uh, get on more stages, uh, generate high fees, and, and, and create um, and sell large corporate programs. So six and seven figure programs. There, there is an art in that. It's very learnable. Um, so let me let me let me do something funky. Hold on, a tick. I'm going to do this. Oh, here we go. Here we go. Here's Keith. Um, here's Keith in the circle. You know the one thing. You know uh, you are phenomenal at marketing. You know you're a marketing machine, and you have to. You know because that's your topic and you love it, and you have to know that. You know you know the the understand this is that everything we do from a speaking point of view, has to lead us to something. So let's say this is the keynote. and But what, often what happens is people stop there. You know, they stop at the top of the funnel, not understanding that maybe there's a product um, that they sell, maybe there's a program, and, they, and some people go, well, I just want to do a keynote presentation. Okay, so you know what this is here? This, this here is the turning the one booking into ten. And so how to do that is really around this. So here's the model that I talk to most speakers about. If this here, Amanda, these three here are around 
getting on more stages. These three are around generating higher fees. These three are about leveraging your revenue. Now, I won't talk about the other two, but let me talk about the ones that what we're talking about here. I think that most speakers, man, one of the things that we've got to be very, very clear on is who is the ideal prospect for me? And the reason this is so much different now compared to, you know, com- compared to four years ago, um, three years ago, is that we thought, well, you know, our market is Australia, it's in New Zealand, it's, it's wherever I can fly to. If I get an invitation to go and speak in London or anywhere in the US, beauty, you know, but that's the, that's the hundreds and thousands on the cake. However, now, if you are uh, an authority, an expert, you can present anywhere. You know, I'll give you an example. Next week, I present on the Gold Coast. Um, Tuesday night, I present in Paris. Um, the client said, would you like to come to Paris? I said, I'd love to, but I just can't make it all work. Because when, Wednesday, I've, uh, I'm back in the office. Thursday, I've got a conference back on the Gold Coast. Friday, I'm uh, travelling. And Saturday, I'm speaking in Melbourne. So I'm, just, the, I'm the too busy to go to Paris, basically. I'm too- oh, look, I'm too busy. Oh, look, <laughs> oh, what, Paris? What, in autumn? Oh, oh. no, seriously. God. So, but the, the, thing, the thing now is that... Um, you can be anywhere. You got a great virtual setup. I've got a, I've got a good virtual setup. Um, you can be anywhere now, which means that when we look at who we want to work with, you sort of go, well, who's my ideal prospect? Who, who's the ideal prospect, prospect for me that would be? And this is the same for your marketing. Walk out and machine gun the message rather than creating specific marketing messages or questions that pique the interest of people. It doesn't mean that you have to, like direct selling is one of my key markets, car industry, insurance, financial advisors, mortgage brokers. I've got a number of key, I can speak their language. Mm. Here's the next piece of the puzzle. Next piece of the puzzle is you've got to position yourself. And this is where marketing comes in play. Are you the guru? And more importantly, does your topic does your topic, do you know what's beyond your topic from a commercial point of view? I'll give you an example. Is this too much detail, Amanda? No, it's perfect. It's so good. I'm taking notes as well. So. Okay. Uh, you, well, you've got to say that. Um, <laughs> but uh, but my, my, so, so give you an example. I've spoken for the last 15 years exclusively around goal setting. Now, goal setting is not sexy. When I first started knocking on people's door about goal setting, they go, oh, yeah, Keith, uh, well, yeah, we've, we've done that. We did it once before. Uh, you, don't, you only done it once. You do it every year. You do it every quarter. You do it every month. Um, and so then I realized, you know what? People do not want goal setting, but they want what's on the other side of goal setting. And in my particular case, I created a, a program that 6,500 people went through and uh, called uh, Passionate Performance because I sold it like this. I said, this program will help create energised, enthused and engaged people. What CEO, head of sales, head of um, you know, head of HR or business, what person in an organisation goes, oh, geez, no, we don't, no, we don't want that. Mm. So I just worked out that what was on the other side of when people set goals, 
achieve it and they feel great about themselves, they become energized, enthused, and engaged. And that's the commercial side that people need to understand. It's, it's that, really it's about it's about understanding what business you're really in. I mean, I think speakers I I, and I and I've probably been guilty of this in the past as well, of getting very tied up in your topic. But really, it's about living in your client's world rather than living in your world. Yes, you can speak with incredible authority on this particular topic, but what are you actually delivering to the client? What are you delivering to the organization? And when you can put it in those terms, that's when you um, become you know exponentially more valuable as a speaker. It, and that's why people have to work with uh, with you, Amanda, you know, because all of a sudden we get so wound up in our topic, we cannot see what's beyond it. And, and until you put yourself in the client's shoes, the audience's shoes, and by the way, two different needs. You know, sometimes the audience needs to be um, engaged and they need to be entertained and, and they need to be, you know, uh, re-energized. Um, but from the client's point of view, uh, they want their people to be the best version of themselves so they can serve, in your case, serve their customers with a level of empowerment and, you know, uh, and a level of engagement. They buy into the philosophy that they're trying to get across. And so that's why it's so important for people to understand what's beyond their topic. And we all get way too close to it. And unless you spend, you know, a hell of a lot of time working with great mentors to, to help, you know, demystify um, that particular thing. Cause, you know, the amount of people, Amanda, that say to you, Oh, you know, I'm really good on stage and I've really got a great topic. And, and you go, okay. So, but how do you sell that to that client? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's, that's the thing. See, I, I don't think I'm that talented. I don't think. Oh, I'm, that, I'm not the Olympian. This is where you should say, really? Uh, no, I'm not the Olympian. I'm not the, I'm not the guy that climbed Everest, you know. I'm not the, the billion-dollar CEO. But you and I both know that we give information that engages and thirsts people, but we give them information that's insightful, that's informative, that are ideas that are implementable and what we sprinkle on top of that is some inspiration for people to go and do something with it. Yeah, that's pretty powerful. Mm-hmm. Not everybody get not everyone gets that. Um let me um let me continue on my journey here of uh, poor drawing. Um so prospecting, positioning, and then the other piece of the puzzle here is you have to have a process in mm-hmm. place. Mm-hmm. And the process relates to three R's and the three R's are this. It has to be robust. In other words, it has to happen while I'm on stage. It has to happen when I am busy. It has to happen regardless of whether I feel like it or not. It has to be robust, which means a team, a process, a formula, a methodology that will do that. The the second piece of the puzzle here is that when you think of it, it needs to be a routine and the routine and ritual around it is, and you know, you've heard me say this, you know, contact seven people every day. You want to grow your business, contact seven people every day. If you don't want to grow it that fast, you know, contact seven a week. And so I'm working with some people on, on my get on more stages program at the moment. And, and we just got, you know, we asked them during the during the break of the mastermind session, um, just send out anywhere from five to seven emails. Everyone comes back from the break. Oh yeah, I just booked three appointments. Oh yeah, I just want to say, you, you know, and you sort of go, this stuff works. And there's a, obviously the formula secret of that. Here is the other R. 
and this is what most people don't understand, you get this rhythm. Mm. And there is a rhythm and a season to the year. So six months ago, I started planting seeds of what I'm selling in the next eight weeks. There is a route to it because in the next eight weeks, people aren't having conferences, but they are in the first quarter of 2023. Mm, They're planning. And so it's 100%. But I'm planting seeds, not like, oh, look, I want you to use me in 2023 because people can't think of that. I'm talking to them about where's their biggest challenge? What are they focused on? What's their pain point? You know, and then, you know, I reached out to 200 clients about six months ago, had about close to 60 appointments with people, just 20 minutes and, and just some basic questions. But all of a sudden you start to hear what the challenges are, what's going on in their business, and then you start thinking, can, can my topic help them? Could Amanda's topic help them? You know, what's the... What you know? What do I need to adjust and modify um, so it's relevant and relatable to those people moving forward? And so that's the you know they're the three P's. And obviously, out of that, um, you know, I just did up a a full poster of this, um, and the 117 different ideas um, that come out of those three areas and those nine parts that I talk about, um, and. And because of that, there's so many lots of little things. People are looking, Amanda, for the magic bullet. And I think that there's one, if there's anything, I don't know if there's a magic bullet, but there's a number of little things done consistently that you have a robust system and process in place and you understand the seasons of it, it makes a big difference. Yeah, and I think the I think the key outtake there and the 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 gem of wisdom in that is that um it is about the consistency of effort and it's about the discipline. I think we see uh, we see a lot of speakers who uh, think that marketing, speaker marketing is about having a great showreel and putting it out there and waiting for the phone to ring. And I think what you are um, testament to is that marketing is as much as your uh, sales effort and your um, proactivity. It's really about the proactive piece, but the proactive piece done consistently. Um, you know, I think that, that you know, putting a, a fancy showreel out there and waiting for the phone to ring is just, I don't think it cuts it for anyone. Um, no. And but it, it gets people confused, Amanda. You know, the confusion is, geez, I've got a great show reel, I've got a great brochure, I've got a great website. Surely, surely people I must be attracted to people. And and you know, look, oh, and 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 that's not the case. You have to promote yourself. And e- even when people say, oh, look, I work ex- exclusively with bureaus, mm-hmm. I go, Yeah, but why don't you why don't you prime the pump? Mm-hmm. You know, why don't you prime the pump for them? Um, you know, and and to, and and do that if that's your strategy. I'm not sure if that's mm. you know the best strategy, but if that's your strategy, then then prime the pump. You know, the the big learning lesson for me when I first got started, and I'm glad I learned it early, is I went out and had all these meetings with people and and got some work on the books and stuff like that, and I got busy. I, I you know I got I, you know I got busy and 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 you know what I stopped doing? Stop marketing. Mm. And and so hence. You know, the cash flow was, hey, hey, we're the king of the castle. And then it's, oh, my God, we're porpoise. Oh, yeah, we're fantastic. And I just went, oh, what's the secret? Market when you're busy. Mm. Just keep on keep on marketing, keep on you know, keep on reaching out to people. And, and a lot of people will go, 
you know, marketing will do all the work. No, selling, you know, marketing is is fueling the, you know, is is putting fuel in in the funnel. You know, your your outreach, whether it be on LinkedIn, text messages, handwritten notes, whatever. You know, we've done everything. You know, you talk about lumpy mail. We've done that. What does that do? It just softens the door. So I never ever, I've never ever felt like I've sold anything. Mm. I just feel like I've, and now obviously I've sold heaps and, you know, million dollar programs and all that sort of stuff. But, but that's because when you got trust, rapport, credibility with the prospect or the client, it's a conversation and, and the hardest close and you've heard me talk about this, Amanda, you know, the hardest clothes I ever use, you know, firstly, it's, you know, there's there's a couple of things. The first one is, does that make sense? Yeah. Does that sound okay? Yeah. Right. So is this something we should do? Is this something you need to do sooner or later? I know we have to address. Okay, great. So, so I now know there's a time frame. Um, and then my, my hardest, toughest close is, okay, John, okay, Mary, uh, the next step is, next step is I'll go away and put together an outline, I'll put some numbers around what it's gonna, what your investment's going to be, and then the next step after that is as soon as I send it to you, I want you to send me back an email saying, got it, Re- can I, I can open it, I can read it, and I want you to tell me when you want me to follow up. That's it. Mm, brilliant. And then it goes from here. Yeah, yeah, and I think um, again, I think what that reinforces is that marketing, speaker marketing, is really everything that you do. It's not just your showreel, it's not your Facebook ads, it's not your speaker brochure or your website. It's actually everything that you do, um, and you uh, video you post on LinkedIn, Amanda. It's the it's the questions you ask. It's it's what you know, like you know, I. You know, you've known me for long enough now that you know all of my tricks, and 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 um, you know, as soon as you know, what, what's the best outcome? Well, the best outcome is for me to be, you know, is for me to be rebooked as soon as I with that client as soon as I'm finished. Mm. So, what does that look like? We've got to be great, not just good. You've got to be great. You know, you and I both spend. A whole stack of money we've invested in ourselves um, with speaker coaches, and you know, uh, you know, I had to work on humor and storytelling and gestures and all that sort of stuff. Um, but there's seeds that you plant the moment you get the job, you know, not the moment you do the job. There's seeds that you plant before you ever get on stage. There's seeds that you plant when you're on stage. Subtle. This. The seeds that you plant as a result of you being on stage um, straight after your presentation. And that's how you, that's how you continue to, you know, I think for a long time and everybody gets wound up in the applause. And I think you're either going to be a, a speaker that um, is addicted to the applause and the attention or you're going to be someone who's, um, who's got a focus on impact, influence, and more importantly, developing, developing an intimate relationship mm. with your audience and your clients. Mm. Mm. 
So good. Um, I want to talk, you made a really good point about market when you're busy. And I think, again, this is uh, one of the biggest challenges that a lot of speakers have is getting busy and forgetting to market. And so the, the pipeline does start to look like this. Um, and as you say, it's really about process and it's about having a robust process. So what are some of the things that you do to market yourself when you're busy delivering? Well, the, the, the easiest thing, you got to have a team. Man, you know, like, and you have teams of people, and, and I know this is part of the service that you provide, is you have some teams of people that are offshore who are doing the outreach on LinkedIn or their what's name, or the very minimum, you know, uh, one of my team members will send me the list of the people that I need to contact this week. So I don't have to think about it. And my contact strategy um, is not to use email. I don't like all of my clients are at very, very senior levels. So they're, they're probably getting 100, 120 emails a day. They're not going to answer an email from me. Um, the real key there is to, to, is to make sure I've got some rhythm around, okay, well, if I'm in growth mode, well, who are the seven people I'm going to contact today? And I can send, te- I, I can be, I can, you know, I can get on an early morning flight, present, you know, for the day or, or get, get up early, drive down the coast, present, you know, be at the conference all day. And, and get back and I can still send seven text messages. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's, it's having that knowing what your process is. So, so team is one. Um, understand that. Think about it like this. What can you do face to face, ear to ear, mailbox to mailbox, screen to screen? So face to face is, is, you know, could I organize, um, you know, my, so I do, I do a couple of things now is I, I, I just don't meet clients anymore face to face. I've just made a decision that why would I, why would I get, you know, have to get, you know, sort of put a suit on or whatever it might be, get in the car, go and park in town. I live in Brisbane, you know, go and park in town, have a coffee with someone where let's just get up. Let's do a 20 minute Zoom call because from my experience, what I'm doing in 20 minutes on a Zoom call would probably normally take me an hour. Uh, if I'm having a coffee with someone. The second thing is, so that's face-to-face. Uh, ear-to-ear, get on the phone. You know, pick up the phone, make a phone call. Um, Screen-to-screen, text, uh, and mailbox and mailbox. I think I still like to send pe- things in the mail to people. Mm. Uh, why? Because they're not getting the stuff in the mail. They're, they're getting, the only thing they're getting in the mail these days is, it's probably some junk mail or, or they've still got an antiquated bank or a you know, Telstra who's still sending them, you know, a, a whole stack of bills and, uh, you know, their, their, their mobile bill. So when they get something in the mail um, that's a little bit lumpy, um, then that's, that's a great thing to do. And then mm-hmm. I, the other thing I'd be saying to, to people around screen to screen and, and you, you, you are truly masterful at this is, um, utilizing video, utilizing video to position yourself, utilizing video to send messages to people, like personal messages to people. Utilizing video, there's so many great platforms like um, Vidyard and, and Bongiorno, whatever else, that you can do it straight on your phone. The camera on your phone is so good these days. You can do it straight on your phone and you can send that message to people. And guess what? It's different. Mm-hmm. Most people aren't doing that, Amanda. Mm-hmm. Most people are just not utilizing that. So they're the things that I'd be doing. And and once again, 
map out your calendar. You know, when you and I have been involved in, in our mastermind sessions together, you know, we've mapped out what's our 12-month what's our twelve month client contact program. Um, I've had some interesting conversations with people lately, Amanda, and they go, you know, so what do you do after the presentation? I don't do anything. You don't send them a gift? No. Do you give them a follow-up call? No. And, and you sort of go, really? Really, really? Mm-hmm. I think what would surprise, perhaps surprise a lot of people listening to this, Keith, is just how analog your marketing strategy is. I mean, I think there's a lot of speakers listening to this that are, you know, looking for ways to better leverage, you know, to automate their business, to obviously leverage digital marketing because um, they feel that that's where they should be. And I'm not saying it's not important. Obviously, your website is the number one uh, most important yeah. tool. But a lot of the things that yes. you're doing to generate those referrals, to nurture those relationships, to get uh, rebooked are actually analog strategies um, and they're quite manual strategies. But as you say, it's just about carving out a little bit of time each day to send the seven text messages, to make the calls, um, to send the thank you gifts. And they're all kind of little things, but for you, the cumulative effect of that has been extraordinary, hasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, it has. I mean, and look, and, and maybe that's maybe I'm just a little old fashioned, you know, maybe that's just a sign of my gray hair or the limited gray hair that I've got. Yeah. Maybe, <laughs> I just think I started out with a full afro when I got in this industry. But, um, you know, it's the, the thing there is like, you know, in a world where everything is very impersonable, you know, is very impersonal, um, it, it comes even more down to relationship. It comes down to who, you know, it comes down to who, you know. So, so, you know, you think of, and people say, oh, look, there's no loyalty, Keith, people. You know, I, you know I've, I've been working 20 years plus straight every year for Toyota and Lexus, every year. And, and these are companies who churn through speakers like nobody's business, not because they don't think they're any good. It's because they go, oh, well, we've used that person. We need to, I just, I just sold them a compelling reason to keep on using me. And, and for the head of Toyota, so I ring me and say, say, uh, Keith, we'd like you to work with this group of people, you know, the head of Toyota, you know, to contact me, just like say, um, you know, we're, we're bringing our senior people together. We'd like you to, to do it. I said, oh, listen, I'm, well, thanks very much. I'm really grateful. He said, you know, he's gone, never, never, Keith, never feel like you're grateful. What you've done for us over the years and how well you know our business, you're, you're the first person we're ever going to call. And you sort of go, wow. Now, that's built because of a relationship that, as you said, is probably a little analog. Mm-hmm. Um, it, you know, and other people say, oh, it sounds like a lot of hard work. Don't, don't worry about the hard work. The hard work, you know what the hard work is? Hard work is sitting there going, I've got no bookings. Mm. That's the hard work. And also hard work it's, is- it's harder, it's much harder to get a new client than it is to, as you say, do another you know, a repeat booking for someone like Toyota that you have that intimate, deeper relationship with. And I think that's, yeah. again, where the lesson is continues to be for me is it's not just about the next booking um, and the thrill of the chase of getting a, an inquiry or a booking. It's actually what more can I do for this client? And that's not just about extrapolating value. It's actually about as a speaker, uh, you know, how can I deliver more impact and more value to that particular client by going deeper with them and thinking about, you know, what else they might need, what's keeping them awake at night and actually, you know, really being a strategic partner rather than just a a show pony keynote speaker that comes and delivers for 60 minutes Mm -hmm. and then is off again. Yeah. And and look, and, and, and the, the, well, you know, the, the, the piece you said there is about being strategic. 
So what would be strategic is write down a hundred companies you want to work for over the next two to five years. And focus on them. Focus on connecting with them LinkedIn, focus on starting a conversation. Don't you know, give, 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 give in public, ask in private. So give, give, give to uh, and all of a sudden, people see that you're val- you know that you're valued. All of a sudden, people see that okay, you 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 know you're the you know one of the better way. You're the guru. You're the expert. You're the authority in this particular. Why wouldn't they want to use you? Um, and and look, and it comes back to the strategy, Amanda. I think you know in saying this, you and I have have, have probably we've we've crossed over a period in professional speaking, and and the period in professional speaking was. Was don't change your presentation, just go and find a new audience, mm. and that sort of never quite sat well with me because I think I've got like you lots of content, so I've got lots of things I can share, and an hour's never enough, and you know a day sometimes not enough, and and so you've got, um, and then of course you you sort of go okay well. If there's still a need and the client loves you, and and he was just reflecting back on Toyota, but this is a conversation I've had with multiple clients of mine, is, um, you know, I asked them once. I said, look, you know, you you go, you know, you you could employ anybody. Why why me? And they said, you know, you know us and we know you, and we don't have to retell our story again. And so when time is of the essence. It's like, okay, who, who can we get that's going to be reliable? That's going to, you know, that's going to do, do the job for us. And that one particular client, well, I just think of, of, um, of Mercer in the UK, you know, that started here in Australia. And now I'm sorry, tra- you know, you know, pre COVID traveling backwards and forwards to London. And then during COVID, guess what? We just did it all virtual. Um, and, and so it's, it's that ability to, um, to build that relationship with the client, that that then they sort of say, "Well, look, we, we trust you. Well, what what else can you do for us, Amanda?" Mm. And isn't that a good place to be? And I think that's I think clients now, especially after the the last couple of years where everything went pear shaped, they're not looking for funky. They're they're not looking for the weird wacky topic. They're looking for guys juggling bowling balls and sharing some sort of inspirational message. They're looking for what other basics to get our people back engaged, back into the market, and and us back to normal. This next normal, this new normal, whatever it could be. Mm, and I think there it is. I think now there's probably never been a, a better or more timely opportunity to go deeper with clients because, as you say, when time is of the essence, they don't want to have to retell their story and rebrief a new speaker and get them familiar with the business and the brand and the challenges. Um, but also trust. It's the trust piece. Um, yes. And, you know, in the in the sort of initial stages of the program, we talk about, you know, there's really only three ways to grow your business. You've got your number of clients, how much they're spending with you on average and how often they they transact with you. I mean, that they're really the only three levers that you can pull in any business, let alone speaking, um, to grow your business. And um, as I said, I think a lot of speakers are chasing the number of clients versus what they could be doing, which is just even the simple stuff like remarketing back to your existing clients, um, mapping out, you know, when they might be having their conference again and how can you engage with them again. And not every client is going to book you uh, every year no. or every two years even, but that some will and it's just – 
often that touch point in that that kind of strategy that you put in place to continue that relationship and continue to build that trust. Well, I think it's also having the a vision for the future as well. It's having a, a bit of a longer game plan. You know, the longer game plan is is one that says, okay, um, if this cycle for this client is every and, and look and yeah, don't get me wrong, I've got clients that have uh, you know the cycle is every five years. You know, Keith, we've had you. Uh, we probably won't use you again for another three or four years. That's okay. I just stay in touch with them because because I know that I can put the money in the bank on that client. You know, further down the track. I look at I look at my year now. I look at twenty twenty three, man. I go well. It's about seventy seventy two percent done, and and that's because the seeds I planted six months ago, but probably the work that I've done two years ago or three years ago with clients and they weren't ready. Um, you know, you've heard me tell this story. The, the client that I stayed in touch with the longest was 16 years, 16 years or no, 16. There was no, it was never no piss off and it was never no, we hate you. It was just no, not now. And I just saw there was an opportunity with that client, not just one conference, but multiple conferences. And I thought, I'm just going to stay in touch with them. So guess what I'd do? I'd, you know, phone call once a year. Dog, dog with know. a bone. <laughs> yeah, that's right. You know, look, you know what? I, I said to you before, I'm not talented and upskilled, but you know what I am? I'm tenacious. I am tenacious. <laughs> if, that, if I've got a superpower, I am tenacious. Persistence so- overcomes resistance. Yeah, exactly. Tenacity wins every race, and I, I, and I, and so sixteen years. This client saying no. Then I get a phone call from now. By the way, I send them my newsletter, send them a lumpy mail. If I had a new book, I'd send them that. And uh, you know, so just stay top of mind, and um, and so they contact me. We'd like you to speak at this conference, twelve hundred people. Yep, no worries at all. Well, let me check. Let me check my busy schedule. Yes, of course I can do it. And uh, and then I go. So I got that one job, got some great feedback from that. Um, so in um, in seven, no, six years. In six years, that client has generated $1.26 million for me, mm. has probably um, has taken um, four of my books and licensed them in the different languages. Uh, anything new I've got, they... They take it so that you know that 1.2, 1.6 has been front of room sales, back of room sales, and ongoing licensing uh, opportunities. And I'm just glad I didn't give up in the twelfth year. It was certainly uh, the pest of power paid off on that one. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> you know what I think it was, Amanda. I reckon they were, they, they got to a point, and somebody said, "Well, what about Keith Abram? Yeah, he, look, he's been contacting us for years. Let's give him a go, and then we can piss him off, yeah. and we don't have to talk to him again." Yeah, we won't. But then what happened was it? Yeah. Yeah. I love it. I love it. Hey, I want to talk um, before we wrap up about your books and how they have formed or the role that they've played um, in your overall marketing strategy. You're obviously a prolific author. Um, I think you're up to six. Six books. Yeah, six books. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Um, yeah, oh, sorry. Let me, uh, let me just start. Uh, I'm, I'm working on my seven. Let me just double check. Oh, yeah, there they are. There's a couple of them. Oh, just there's something I prepared earlier. Something I prepared earlier. Um, I want to talk because obviously it's something that's on the mind or the or the agenda or in progress uh, for a lot of speakers. Can you share just a, a couple of tips on how you've really leveraged your books as a marketing tool? 
Yeah, I think you've got to understand they're a marketing tool and a positioning tool, not the the gateway to get rich. You know, you're not no. going to be. I've made. Know, the, I mean, the, I've the, made hundreds of books, from, hundreds of dollars from my books. <laughs> that's right. I've, I've, that's exactly, exactly. Um, yeah. I think that it's a wonderful tool to uh, to position yourself. I remember Robin Henderson saying many years ago that every time she wrote a book, her fee went up five hundred dollars. Mm. And so I think you know, if you look at the the economics from twenty plus years ago, it's probably a thousand dollars of your fee um, that that you can put up. The the second piece of the puzzle, it does. Position you as the as the expert and the authority. Um, the other thing I'd say, Amanda, is um, look. I've done books published by publishers like a Wiley, and I've done books self-published. Um, I would I would go with the self-published so I had more control, and that's not me being a control freak. That's if I if I look at if I look at this book just for a tick, I mean, I could never ever, you know, get Wiley to agree to a publisher book that's got two colours and we've got, yeah. like, you know, all the. I, but but you know what? What I've realised is is that just positions the book a little different, which means it positions me a little different. Mm. The other thing is then dicing and slicing that book. And being able to utilize that into a whole stack of other different products. And whether they be products that are paid for or products that you give away, um, is really, really powerful. And once again, can add to the ability, um, to leverage your fee, um, and to build that authority with people. So, you know, here's the thing. A lot of people say, and I think I've said this to you, you know, you've got so much content. Do I whack? Do I whack all that content into a book that's like this thick, you know, like the, you know, now I'd say to most people that's probably a little bit of ego. Look how smart and intelligent I am, but people will never read it. You know what I'd rather do? I'd rather carve that up into three books and, and sell a trilogy. Hmm. I can sell that book for $50. I can sell that probably that tr- tr- trilogy for about 120 and I certainly, I certainly think that's the trend that we're seeing. You know, we talk about be, being able to read a book on a flight from Melbourne to Brisbane, um, more yeah. so than an eighty thousand word um, epic that you know people will, will unlikely, you know, more than fifty percent of people won't finish it, um, and then there's a negative association with that book. So I think, again, I think that's a barrier for a lot of speakers is thinking I just don't have the time or the content to write eighty thousand words, and the, and the, and the fact is that they don't need to. They don't, they don't, Amanda. They could write a book um, that's 10,000 words and it's, it's, the, it's the consumable. I almost consume it while I'm waiting for the plane to push back, but I get the essence of that book and I build a relationship. Think of it like this. Your book is your greatest business card. Why, why treat it like... Why treat it like this is this is going to be the only thing I ever write in my life? Thesis, no, no, no. yeah, 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 yeah. You know, what, this is for my doctorate. No, no, no. Just, just make it so consumable that a client will pick it up and go, "Wow, this makes sense. This is logical. This is well put together. I like this person, and I like this person because they're able to consume it in twenty five minutes." Mm. And and the other thing I'd say to people, if you're going to write a book. Then make sure you do an audio book as well, because the amount of people that are consuming audio books and and on their Kindle and not having to, you know, you and I like the tactile feel of a book, mm-hmm. um, but 
Um, and, and yeah, you know, here's the really interesting thing. Well, this is what I've noticed in myself. If I love that book, I've got it in three formats. I've oh, totally. I was, just about, I was just about to say that. The number of books that I've read recently where I've gone and done the audio version because I loved it so much or vice versa. So it's just another yeah. way to get multiple com- you know, consumption of your content. Correct. Correct. Yeah. yeah. So, so definitely, um, you know, and, and look, and the, the other tip I'd say around Everyone's different on how they go about writing a book. But for me, once I've fleshed it out and I've got a few bullet points and, and I've got the chapter outlines and stuff like that, I just pack up my bongos, go head down the coast or up the coast. I've done it at your place while you've been away and, and I've just sat down and uh, with nobody around me and I've just written for, you know, four or five days or six days straight and got it all done and dusted, not edited. I'm not a great editor, I, but I would say I just get it all done in a week and then give it to the powers to be to make it pretty and make it perfect. Mm, yeah, awesome. Keith, just before we wrap up or to wrap up, um, I'd love yes. you to sort of just summarise if there were three things, uh, you know, for speakers listening to this podcast who are a little bit stuck with their marketing or their, um, you know, just wanting to know what to take action on, what are three easy things that you can do to build my marketing momentum today? Uh, well, the, you'll be embarrassed by me saying this, but I've always gotten great inspiration and ideas from you, so I think ah. engage you. Um, you. You know, you've been on that leading edge of marketing and it's been a wonderful, it, it's so it's such a great, um, such a great mentor for me around how to, you know, how I can keep on lifting, lifting my game uh, around that. So that, that's the that's the first thing. That's unpaid, by the way. That's unpaid advertisement. Um, the the second thing is, and I know this sounds dicky, but activity cures inactivity. If if you have not got bookings, if you have not got inquiries, if people aren't reaching out to you, then go and do shit. Go and get you know, you know, write notes to people, send your books to people, send texts to people, reach out to people on LinkedIn. Treat yourself like that is your full time job. The the one message I often say to people, especially when they're starting out, well, you know what? It's probably even when you're in business, in better speaking for a while, it is is to to make sure that if you want to get on more stages, then then they're good at get good at selling, get good at marketing, and not just be good at, it, be great at it, be better at that than at speaking initially. Um, so that so activity cures inactivity. Uh, engage with you, and and the third thing. Wow, what's the third thing? The third thing is I'd go back to the model I just shared. You know, get really clear on who you want to work with. Get clear on what you want to be famous for, and, and get clear on putting processes in place that are robust. That uh, that you create a rhythm from and a routine from that fills up your pipeline. If you're a speaker and you and you are sitting there today. And you don't probably have a couple hundred k in your pipeline. I'm, I'm not talking about conversion, but if you don't have a, a couple hundred k in your pipeline, well, get off your hiney and, and get out and start doing some activity. You got you got a selling season for the next eight weeks. The next eight weeks is the perfect time to be selling. 
Mm. Yeah, really good insight. And obviously it's not just about getting on more stages. As you say, it's about um, building that leverage and building uh, long-term, deeper value in your business, which is obviously what your program does. So for any speakers listening to this, if they would like to know more about your Getting On More Stages program, Keith, where do they go? Uh, Look, they can just send me an email, Amanda, K-A at Keith abraham.com.au um, they can go to um, more stages hyphen higher fees.com either of those places um, here's what I say to people Amanda who is my program's not for everybody but but here's what we'll sit down and do um, we'll sit down and we'll we'll I'm gonna find out where you are re- reality wise right now what, what where what are the rewards that you really want? A result you really want and what's slowing you down. And then I'll walk through that, um, you know, I'll walk through that whole model with people and, and I guarantee I'll give them three ideas that's going to make a difference in their business. Um, if, 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 even if they don't get involved in the program, I'm going to give them three ideas that'll actually catapult, elevate themselves, uh, to the next level. So I appreciate you, you asking me about that. Sounds awesome, Keith, and really does speak to your ongoing generosity of knowledge to the speaker community. Um, it's just so great. It's been awesome to have you on the show today. So much gold, so, such good reminders, I think, of the slim- simplicity that a lot of this um, action-taking really relies on, uh, and it is really just about effort. It's about building momentum, having the discipline, and having the consistency. And, of course, we'll put all of Keith's details and the details for his mentor um, mastermind program in the show notes. But Keith, thanks so much for being our very first guest on Speaker Marketing Success. Um, It's just been awesome to have you on the show. Thanks so much. Thanks, Amanda. I really appreciate the opportunity. Want to know more and access loads more resources to crank your speaker marketing? Head to speakermarketingsuccess.com.au and I'll see you on the next episode.